From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. Liam, can you tell us about the first Vermonter who died from COVID-19? Yeah, so the first Vermonter that we know of was a woman named Betty LaBombard. She was 95 years old, and she died almost exactly a year ago, on March 19th, 2020, just as the state was starting to lock down. My colleague Liam Elder Connors has been reporting on COVID in Vermont for 12 months and counting. And so on the day after Betty LaBombard died, I Facebook messaged her niece and got a call back within about an hour. Um, I mean, how are you feeling right now? Um, I think we're all in a state of shock. Um, very confused. And her niece's name is Holly Barrett Willard. You know, we got a phone call. Um, they were calling in reference to the nursing home, stating that there was a man that tested positive on my aunt's floor. Holly's aunt Betty lived in a nursing home, a place called Burlington Health and Rehab. The family kept calling to see how she was doing. And then I called at five o'clock yesterday morning and they said that they were giving her morphine to keep her comfortable. Um, she was on oxygen, but they didn't think she'd make it through the day. And if you can think back to a year ago, right in those early days of the pandemic, everything was just really chaotic and no one knew exactly what was going on. We were trying to figure out what was safe and what wasn't. Things change and it depends who you talk to. Uh, but eventually on the morning of March 19th, 2020, Holly got a call from uh, people at Burlington Health and Rehab. I got a phone call at six o'clock and said, you can come in, you can be with your aunt. And I got dressed and I went yesterday morning at six o'clock to be with her. And then around 11 a.m. that morning, Holly's Aunt Betty was pronounced dead. She was the most loving, giving person you'd ever meet. She had a heart of gold. Um, she loved her whole family. She was fine before this. And that's why I think we're all in shock. So Betty LaBombard was the first documented COVID-19 fatality here in Vermont. And at this point, a year later, more than 200 people have died. And Liam, we've had so many numbers coming at us in the past year. It's been hard to keep everything in perspective, right? So in our country as a whole, the pandemic has killed more than half a million people. Here in Vermont, we've had fewer deaths than any other state. And our death rate has also been one of the lowest in the country. But the pandemic has still left thousands of Vermonters in mourning. Right. And that's something I've been trying to unpack for the last couple of months. There were more than 200 Vermonters who died of COVID-19. And, you know, we wanted to get a sense of, of who they were, not just, you know, another tally or a number that, that we report every day, but who are the people that died because of this virus? And what kind of lives did they live? And to be transparent, this is not an episode that started with an audience question. It originated in our newsroom. But Liam, you and others have just worked so hard on it that we really wanted to share it with the BLS audience. So everyone, welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today.
and Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. Liam, how many phone calls to family members who've lost someone to COVID would you guess you've made in the past few months? Um, I actually I actually know uh, exactly because I kept a spreadsheet um, of that. Uh, I made 55 phone calls to 55 different families and heard back from uh, 15 or so. And how did you know who to call? So I requested death certificates from the health department um, of people who died due to COVID-19, either as the main reason or a contributing factor. Those death certificates have a lot of information on them about the people who've died, including, you know, family and next of kin. And so I use the death certificates to find families and also would look up people's obituaries to find additional folks if I couldn't get in touch with the person who was on the death certificate. Mm-hmm. And you also got back in touch with Holly Barrett Willard, right? The, the niece of the first woman recorded to have died from COVID? I did. Hello. Hi, Holly. It's Liam. Hi, Liam. How are you? We've, you know, kind of texted on and off for the last year. And I wanted to call her back almost, you know, a year after her aunt had died to just check in and and see how she was doing. How is she doing? We're doing okay. You know, we've got her pictures up and stuff. You know, anytime you, you have a family member that dies, it's hard. I think it's obviously been really difficult in the pandemic, especially to have somebody you know, who died because of the virus. Um, But, you know, one of the things Holly talked about was that she just felt like people who died in Vermont from the pandemic, just kind of wishing there was a way to to remember them more, not just as numbers. Yeah, I think memorialize these people. And like, I, I don't know why I had this weird dream that, you know, we had some pictures of the people that passed away and just like, you know, calendar and sold them and the money went to, you know, funding or something. What, what, why should we, I guess, what, what is important to you about remembering those people? Uh, none, of them, none of them should be forgotten. I mean, this is an epidemic that took over Vermont. Um, you know, now that they have the vaccines and things like that, hopefully there won't be any more. You know, hopefully it works. But, you know, you don't want to forget these people. These people suffered. They died. So how do you go about memorializing more than 200 people? You know, obviously I wouldn't be able to tell an entire life story because I was calling so many people, but I think little details, really specific things just can tell you a lot about who a person was. As I think about all these these families I've called, I, I think about these people based on, on like the little anecdotes I've heard about them. I mean, Bob Birdo, who lived in Burlington his whole life. He loved the New York Yankees. and My dad, he was the greatest guy in the world, you know, he's the best dad. He was a custodian in the Burlington School District for 25 years, and he also would have his family over for cookouts and, and loved grilling for them. And we used to, like, go to his house on weekends and do barbecues and stuff like that. And um, we worked together at a Integrative Arts Academy at Wheeler. I loved working with my dad. Um, he actually would come in as I was getting off, but um, I would go in the office with him and we would hang out for, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes. And sometimes, you know, with our busy lives, 
um, those were sometimes my only moments with him, you know. I would do anything right now just to be able to just sit and hold his hand and talk to him and, you know, just tell him how much I love him. My parents divorced when I was young, and so it was just me and my mom for a lot of years. Deborah Conrad, who was in Plainfield, she taught herself to type after she got divorced and needed to support her daughter as a single mom. And she would sit on the floor in their house and just type away at this old typewriter and practice and practice and practice so she could get a job. She had this old-fashioned typewriter that I think that my grandmother had had put away somewhere. Like, no one used it. But it was one of those old manual typewriters um, with the little round keys, you know, that you have to press really hard. <laughs> and she had a book and she would just sit on the living room floor with everything around her and just like practice, practice, practice typing. And Leona Goodwin in Burlington, um, she loved to paint flowers. And she actually taught herself to paint once her sons got old enough and, and were not really in the house as much. And biggest thing that she did was flowers. Her, her son said that she liked to paint voluptuous flowers, which I just will always remember that. Kind of the more voluptuous and outrageous the flower was, the more she loved it. Um, she was completely self-taught. And it was the one thing that allowed her to kind of step out of her day-to-day life. And she could literally, you know, spend an hour or two and she would say, oh, you know, the time just flies by when I paint. There are also some numbers that tell a little more of the story about who exactly did die from COVID here in Vermont, right? As of taping this, um, 214 people in the state have died due to the virus, and almost 80% of those people were above the age of 70. About half lived in long-term care facilities, and nearly 65% didn't have college degrees. So those are sort of the, the general things we can say about them. But, you know, there's a lot more to say about all of these people. Looking back on the past year, Liam, when exactly did these 200 plus deaths happen? Like what was the sort of chronology? So in the first two months of the pandemic in March and April of last year, 56 people died. But then for the next six months, things really slowed down, and the state only reported five coronavirus fatalities. One of those was Melvin Dunster. He died on July 28th at Central Vermont Medical Center. He was 87. Uh, I'm his wife. And, uh, yeah, he passed away, and we've been married a long time. I talked to his wife, Janice. He, it wasn't a wonderful thing to have. I had it as well. But... A lot of mine I don't remember because I was right out like a light. Janice and Melvin met when they were teenagers. He lived in Waterbury and would drive down about 10 miles to visit her in Moortown. After he came there that one time, he kept coming a while. And then we decided, let's get married. (laughs) I was working, taking care of somebody's children, and he was working at the plywood. They were married in 1952. In August, they would have celebrated their 68th wedding anniversary. We had a long life together, but it's still not the same. I mean, I miss the heck out of him. Really do. I imagine you talk to a lot of widows and widowers. You know, not as many as you might think, and I think 
part of that is because a lot of the people in the state who died from COVID were older, and many of them were already widowed. Hmm. I talked with a lot of children of people who who had died, or you know, nieces, nephews, uh, in one case, like grandchildren as well. Well, back to the chronology of the past year of COVID deaths. Where are we at? Yeah, I mean, very, very few deaths for six months all throughout the summer and and into fall. Um, And late last summer, when the death count was so low and the case counts were really low, a lot of people were feeling more confident. And, you know, when we got that far into it, it, you know, we had like this big sigh of relief that, okay, she's made it this far. So I talked to Erica Smith and her mom, Deborah Conrad, was living at Berlin Health and Rehab. And like many Vermonters with family in nursing homes, Erica hadn't seen her mom in months. You know, and then we got the call that she was COVID positive. And so I mentioned Deborah Conrad at the beginning of the episode. She had taught herself how to type so she could get a job at International Coins and Currency in Montpelier. And she got that job even though she didn't have any experience, but she taught herself to type and she eventually became a top salesperson at that company. And of course, she was selling, you know, really, really valuable coins. But just thinking about not having any of that experience and just kind of learning as she went and you know how far she was able to go with it. But one of the things that will always sort of stick with me and, and has stuck with me about talking with Erica was, you know, she couldn't go into the facility to to see her mom. And so she and her brother, once her mom got sick, they were going and standing outside her mom's window at the nursing home to, to try to see her. You know, it was really cold. We would just basically go in the car and warm up for a few, for a few minutes and then come back out and just stay with her. And we tried to talk to her. We, the window, like you could hear, you could hear through the windows. We could, we could hear her gasping. And we hoped that she could hear our voice. And Erica told me that, you know, the day after Christmas, she and her brother were just standing in a snowbank outside their mom's window. It was really hard to see her and not be able to to touch her. And that afternoon, um, Deborah Conrad, Erica's mom, died and she was 70. He was justice of the peace. He was a lister, auditor for Sleckman for, Jesus, 30 years almost. (laughs) Andrew Sweat told me about his dad, Ralph Sweat. He died at his home on November 21st, 2020, at the age of 90. Ralph was an Abenaki leader heading the Clan of the Hawk, and he ran the Evansville trading post in Brownington before his son took over. We did auctions. We went, I don't know, we went to Boston buying stuff. New Hampshire, while Mount Waltham went and buying trips and stuff, that was always interesting because you never knew what you were going to get or what you bought. <laughs> so that was fun. We had a lot of good times together. <laughs> then there was Iva Lou Dyke, who spent 15 years working at the University of Vermont Medical Center in the dietary and dialysis departments. After she retired, she spent another 15 years at the hospital as a volunteer. Helping the patients and, you know, she'd If they needed something, she'd go and get it. And she was quite the uh, talker, too. My mother loved to talk, so she fit right in with, you know, keeping the patients um, entertained, I should say, because my mother could be really funny. 
Ivalu died on April 21st, 2020 at Birchwood Terrace, a nursing home in Burlington. She was 89. Her daughter, Donna Demers, told me that her mom wanted to help the hospital even after she was gone. So she donated her body to the medical school. She wanted them to study her brain, which was, I think, a good good thing for for them to study on her because, you know, she had a lot of years of depression and she only had one request. She said, I want them to cover me up at night because I get cold. But more than any job or volunteer work, it was really people's family life that their relatives remembered. One of the things my dad was so good about was sitting down with the kids and loved to have one-on-one discussions. And he was the type of person who really sat down and listened to everybody and asked all the questions and was truly interested. And, you know, when I think of all the kids, especially the grandkids, when they were talking about him, that's something they all commented on, that they'll miss about him. And that and his big, they used to call him big grandpa hugs because he always had, you know, the best big hugs and he always wanted one more. We would go garage sailing. We would, you know, do a lot. You know, we take rides up through Smuggler's Notch and stop and have lunch. And, you know, sometimes my friends were with us and we got together with them. And even on my mom's birthday, we would all get together for my mother's birthday. There was times we took her out with us. You know, a number of times we took her out, you know, dancing with us because my mother loved to dance. And she would go with myself and all my friends because I was single and... You know, she was like part of the group. When we played ball in school, and uh, yeah, she really had a, a true love of basketball. She, she she watched every game, and then as she got older, didn't miss a Celtics game, and knew more about the Celtics than I did. It's true that we were a snowmobiling family uh, years ago, and, and my mom had her own snow machine and whatnot, and we would take off and, uh, with her and try and lose her, and she always kept up with us. <laughs> She was all about her family and her religion and her faith. And um, again, very good person from beginning to end. So uh, we're proud of her. Didn't win any Academy Awards. Didn't win the Nobel Peace Prize. You know, wasn't involved in politics. (laughs) Any of that stuff. That was Michael Bolarus remembering his mom, Pauline, age 87, of St. Albans. Before him, Robin Westcott describing her mom, Coraline, age 91, of Burlington, and Chris Owens, remembering her dad, David Reisig, 82, of St. Albans. This is Brave Little State. We'll be right back. It's Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. Today, we are here with my colleague, Liam Elder Connors, remembering the Vermonters who died from COVID-19. Liam, we've been talking through the timeline of COVID deaths in 2020. Where are we at this point? Yeah, so we're up to November of last year, and this is when the virus surged and people started to die again. Um, You know, when I started working on this project in late December before Christmas, I had requested a bunch of the death certificates of people up until that point, and I was thinking maybe it would be something I could get done before the end of the year. But, you know, really in that time, the number of deaths in the state doubled. Um, In the final two months of 2020, more than 100 Vermonters died. And a lot of those deaths occurred at long-term care facilities. And what's, I think, particularly 
tragic and, and, and difficult sort of about that is that these were older Vermonters who were just weeks away from being able to get a vaccine. Can you tell us the story of Smile Grassani? Yeah. So Smile was in his late 60s when he immigrated to the U.S. from the former Yugoslavia, and he and his wife settled in Burlington. My mom and him lived there uh, downtown. He loved to walk. And so um, that's Vesna, one of Smile's five daughters. And, um, you know, Vesna was one of the people that I just kind of cold called out of, out of the blue. Hello? Hi, is this Vesna? Yes. And she was a little... Depends what kind of questions are. I don't know what's related just to the COVID. Like a little curious about what I was doing, you know, kind of wondering who I was and why I was calling her. But she, once I explained it, she oh, okay. knew exactly sort okay. of what was going. And she just started started telling course, me about yes. her dad. And um, oh, what I remember, I remember growing she up. She said my that, dad has five, you know, five her dad missed always, Yugoslavia, but that Vermont really reminded him of, of home. Nature, Burlington, four season. It's very similar to former Yugoslavia. So Vesna and her sisters would help translate for their parents. They took them to doctor's appointments. And Vesna says that she used to bring her mom and dad over to her house every Sunday. Uh, that's the most I'm missing right now. Every weekend spending time with my dad. But in September, the family decided to move Smile to the Converse home, an assisted living facility in Burlington. He had dementia and it was getting worse. My dad was generous. He was he was happy. He, he always smiled. He was uh, he didn't have any anger in him. He was nice to the nurses. Three months after moving to Converse home, there was an outbreak of COVID-19. And that outbreak started on December 9th, according to the health department. Two days later, on December 11th, is when federal regulators approved the first coronavirus vaccine. And uh, healthcare workers and residents at long-term care facilities in Vermont were first in line. But the shots didn't get here in time for Smile. And he died on December 21st, which is the same day that some Vermont nursing homes started giving the vaccine to residents. Well, I was, I was angry when, when my dad made it so far and holidays happen, Thanksgiving, and I think that's after the Thanksgiving, all these breakouts, how people, how people couldn't behave or I know things happen, but that's when my dad got COVID. And um, anger, it's like, it's, I just feel it's it's hard on my heart when I hear about vaccine and all this and people getting vaccinated in nursing homes and, and he didn't make it. It's just so tough to think about this timing where we had this surge of deaths in the winter, literally just as the vaccine was about to become available to the people who are most vulnerable. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's something that has always just at the time it was happening, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I'd still have been thinking a lot about it. And it was actually also something that I asked Governor Phil Scott about. It was a bittersweet moment. Uh, we were watching right before our eyes, uh, the remarkable production of the vaccine and how quickly in some respects that came to us and how, how, um, how beneficial that was going to be and how, how much hope we had for that. But then I reflect on what if it had been like one month earlier. And how is the governor thinking about the Vermonters 
all the Vermonters who've died from COVID at this point? Well, he told me that every morning, one of the first things he does is he gets up and he checks coronavirus case numbers all around the country and also looks at what the death count is. And he writes those down. And um, when I'm writing Vermont's number down, I, you know, I, I take a pause and each one of them was a Vermonter and so had people who cared about them. And I try and remember that every time there's a death. And how are you feeling after having all these conversations? Well, I mean, I, I've been thinking, you know, about all these these people who have died and, and the families I've talked to. And, um, you know, I, I definitely, as I see the numbers, unfortunately, continue to increase in Vermont. I'm besides thinking about the people in Vermont who've died, I'm thinking about their families because it's been a really hard year. And a lot of them have felt like they haven't been able to to properly grieve there's just a lot of questions about where do we go from here. And, you know, that's one thing that um, Don Birdo, who her dad, Bob Birdo, died early in the pandemic. Um, that's one thing she, she talked to me about and said, you know, since her dad died, it's she's just felt kind of lost. And I'm hoping someday I'm going to wake up and know exactly what to do about that. But right now, I have no clue. Liam, thanks for sharing your reporting, and thank you for helping remember so many Vermonters. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can find more of Liam Elder Connor's reporting and see photos of some of the Vermonters lost to COVID at our website, bravelittlestate.org. This was a project of the VPR Newsroom edited by Brittany Patterson and Mark Davis. I produced this episode with additional editing from Lynn McRae. We have engineering support from Peter Angish. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. We have support from VPR's sustaining members. You can become one of those at bravelittlestate.org donate. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back soon.